We're so excited you're here. And I mean it. And I mean it. That was a song that Bobby Tisdale would sing at the beginning of uh, Invite Them Up, a classic oh. show at Rafifi. Yeah. In, uh, I guess it would have been around 2006. We're so excited you're here. Now say what we nor- what do we normally say? Uh, what's happening, weirdos? There it is. There it is. There it is. I think Bobby Tisdale is my jam. Is, you would love he, Bobby. Yeah, he's like a silly song man. He's a silly, silly bean, and we always sing one of his bits, which is Halloween. It happened to me. Put a mask on my face and I look like a tiger. <laughs> Halloween. It's so funny. It's so funny. It's so funny. He also he had a, just quoting Tisdale bits. We just start. We thought we'd do some Tisdale up top. I don't. I don't know if he'd remember this as a bit, but at one time I saw him on stage tell a story that he he was walking out of his apartment. He walked down the street, half a block. I think he was like, "I need to stop smoking as much pot because the other day I left my apartment, walked half a block down the street, started sprinting back because I thought I left the lighter on." <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I thought I left the lighter on. That's fantastic. Um, Bobby T. Bobby T. Such a funny dude. Um, Hi, everybody. This is I. You know, this is sort of weird to say, but this podcast is wonderful throughout, Mm. and around like maybe thirty minutes in, it gets even better. Yeah. So like, don't give up if you're like, what? What's going on? I don't know. I think it's great in the first 30, but like it definitely gets better and better and better and better. And then hits a real peak. Yeah. After an hour, like I, I don't know what time it was, but like the last, the last 40 minutes are like Mwah! really Mwah! special. So yeah, I was really tired at the beginning. That might have been it. Um, not not oh, you being cool, tired. Cool, cool, cool. No, 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 no. That maybe we were both just finding it. Yeah. But again, I thought it was great. I I, I love that this the intros become like us debriefing how we think because we, we just did it. Yeah, because we just did it. But I really was so tired, and sometimes this this happens kind of frequently. I think it's whenever we do it back here, which we almost always do. But I get so tired, and right as you're like revving up and like yeah. getting kind of manic and going on tears and I think that's when I say yeah a lot it's like when I'm so tired and you you're just still keep... thinking about the guest that says you say <laughs> yeah a lot no but I am trying to be better about it and I and I think in the first 30 minutes I say yeah so much because, because I, you're at just one watching point... me go ten <laughs> nine eight <laughs> At the beginning of this podcast, I was trying to make the point that everything is dads. Yes. I, I was starting to yeah, say yeah. And yes. 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 That's how yes came around. I didn't even make... I was watching the movie Ali, mm-hmm. which I love that movie. Yeah. Who doesn't? It's a great movie. And I, it's a genius script writing choice. Maybe it's historically true. But how do you get people that don't care about boxing to care about boxing? Yes. Okay, so he's fighting Sonny Liston, I believe, and Muhammad Ali. And he, Muhammad Ali's talking all this trash. And Sonny, Sonny Liston just says, I'm going to beat you like, I'm going to beat your ass like I was your father. And I go, oh. that's how you make people who don't care about boxing care about boxing. <laughs> yeah. Because now. Almost not even, it is metaphorically. Mm. 
It's a young man fighting his big scary dad. Mm. And it's so obvious once you see it. Of course. How do you inject this with something that everyone can relate to, which is the struggle between sons and fathers, or daughters and fathers, or daughters and mothers, or, or just the juice of family, of, of power dynamics that we're born into. Mm-hmm. Have Sonny Liston say, I'm going to beat your ass like I was your father. Mm-hmm. Now it's not a boxing match anymore. Yeah. It's will the son fill out the suit and take over? Literally given a big belt that fits neither of them <laughs> and is called the heavyweight champion. Now you're the dad. That's, you're the kid and that's your dad's belt. And you just put on your dad's fucking belt. Yeah. And now we'll call you dad until you lose to another kid that's like the son. <laughs> you, you made the, the same argument. This started with you being like, I was arguing at the beginning yes. that everything is dad's. Everything and is dad's. And you just went straight back into it. I well, I guess, I guess you be, had I'm more circling examples. back. I think the beginning of the podcast is fascinating, but maybe there was a minute where we were syncing up, and then once we do sync up, Valerie, you were at your finest. I'm just reviewing it. (laughs) And we had like real, real time realizations, Mm -hmm. which is one of my greatest passions. It's not like talking about something we realized last week. We're having breakthroughs on the podcast in real time with you guys which yeah. is so fun yeah so thanks for listening so thanks for chissening mm-hmm. thanks for christening and if you want to support the podcast oh right yeah we do the pizza picks sorry i forgot what we do get a living libation do it already you yeah. got you got skincare needs everybody look, needs to take look, care of their skin look, look you're over there going i got look, this dry ass skin look 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 you're like, my skin is so oily. I mean... It could be any, <laughs> any sort of problems. Yeah. I have unhealthy gums. I love their gum care. I love their gum. I, just I found- don't like the way my face stuff smells and that it's filled with toxic chemicals that get into my bloodstream through the biggest... Uh, what is it? Membrane? Skin is a membrane? The biggest organ, organ of your body yeah. goes right into your blood and you shouldn't be putting random ass chemicals that belong in a Diet Dr. Pepper into your body on your skin or through a Diet Dr. Pepper. Get some natural stuff. Here's what I'm saying. Yeah. You have skin needs. You have hair needs. You have dental needs. Maybe even baby needs. And you want to support this show? Living Libations is the easiest way to support this show because you can get something big you can get a whole bunch of Best Skin Ever moisturizer, which is what both Val and I use before bed. That's not a script. I'm not reading a script. That's true. We both love the Best Skin Ever moisturizer. Love I it. shave with Zen Shave, a, a shaving balm that's so natural. No chemicals. I recognize all the ingredients. And you can use the shaving balm as an aftershave. Mm-hmm. That's how moisturizing natural it is. You can buy little things of that. You can buy lots of that. And you'll support the show. Yeah. Support the show and support your body and your skin. I love, basically the idea is Living Libations offers natural, uh, real ingredient alternatives to chemical nightmares that they sell at kiosks in the mall. So stop shaving with stuff. Pressurized goo in a can. Come on. I can't be good. Love yourself a little bit more. <laughs> you Get in there. Go beyond the goo. You deserve better than go goo. Go beyond the goo. You deserve better than goo. <laughs> yeah. You deserve something where you can read the ingredients and recognize them as real and that they would be something that you would eat. If you wouldn't eat it, don't put it on your skin because you're basically eating it. Yeah. So 
I promise you, Living Libations has a premium, natural, and wonderful product to replace the random chemical nightmare you're buying at 7-Eleven. Plus, their ginger exfoliating scrub, which I love, is the most badass exfoliant I've ever used in my life. Yeah. So just because it's natural doesn't mean it doesn't work. It is the grittiest, most hardcore exfoliant I've ever used. Mm-hmm. I would put it against anything you get at CVS. So these products really, really work. And you can feel good about them, and they're natural. So, support the show. Go to livinglibations.com and use promo code WEIRD for 20% off. Wow. That's a lot. That's a fourth. That's a lot. And it means a lot. It means uh, a lot, your support of this show. Speaking of supporting the show, I cooked Leela. Uh, is this? Yep, I found it. Made in. Yes. Our friends at Made in. Yeah, you cooked Leela eggs that were made in. A made in. A made in pan. A made in pan. We have their non stick fry pan. It is a godsend. It's pretty much the only pan I use. I said this last last or this this Wednesday that even if the job it might be too big for the job, I still use it because mm-hmm. it's the best one we have. Mm-hmm. It's nonstick, but they don't use harsh chemicals and nastiness that get into the food. It's professional quality cookware. They make knives as well. They make uh, wine glasses as well. Guys, if you are into cooking at all, I promise you, good quality, high quality, made-in cookware will make you like it even more, will make it more fun, will make it easier to clean, will make it easier to make amazing restaurant-quality food at home with Maiden's professional-quality cookware and kitchenware. Anyone can do it. So if you're serious about cooking, you should invest in your kitchen tools. Maiden's cookware and kitchenware products are used by thousands of the world's best chefs. As I said, I use their nonstick fry pan. I love it so much. You can take it from the stovetop into the oven, no problem. You can clean it, clean as and quick as a whistle. Uh, It is the best pan we own. It looks beautiful. It's one of those pans you want to keep out so everyone knows that you have this wonderful pan. You do keep it out. I I do keep it out. And they're used by renowned chefs and artisans. Uh, They work with renowned chefs and artisans to produce some of the world's best pans, uh, pots, knives, and wine glasses. Uh, Like I said, they they source the finest materials and partner (laughs) with renowned Thousand to make premium kitchen tools uh, available directly to you. This is the important part. Without the markup. They're selling directly to you without marking them up. So these are high-quality products without a high, high markup, which I love. Their cookware distributes heat evenly. They have 32,000 and counting five-star reviews. And their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants across the world. Made in. Better cookware for better meals. Couldn't be easier if you're cooking, if you're nasty. Show some support to this show. It means a lot to us by getting some Made In. And right now, Made In is offering Weirdos 15% off your first order with promo code WEIRD. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products. So go to madeincookware.com slash weird and use promo code, you guessed it, weird for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash weird and use promo code weird. Believe it. Believe Believe it. it. You know what? Just believe it. Last but not (laughs) least, I'm so glad to be working with Harry's again. Harry's has changed the way I shave. Meaning, instead of going to CVS and humbly asking the cashier to bring the precious key to the jewelry case where they keep the overpriced and not that great shaving blades, 
Uh, I no longer have to do that because Harry's comes directly to my door. Mm-hmm. Not only are they high quality, not only are they a great shave, not only is a weighted, beautiful handle that you put the blades on, it's the best shave you're going to get. I know, because I always steal your razor. You steal my razor, and so Val can attest that they're great for legs, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Harry's believes you shouldn't have to choose between a great shave and a fair price. And now that you can actually enjoy being outside this summer, a clean shave and look is sounding even more appealing. That's where our friends at Harry's come in. So you can redeem a Harry's trial set when you go to harrys.com slash weird. Harry's delivers a close, comfortable shave at a fair price, still as low as $2 per blade. And Harry's blades are designed to stay sharp. In a recent study, guys who shave four times a week said their eighth shave was as smooth as their first. They have no gimmicky features. The Harry's team designed... uh, a weighted ergonomic—I can never say that—ergonomic Ergonomic handle. Thank you. With their signature German-engineered blade cartridge, it's a smart, simple razor designed to deliver a close shave along all of the contours of your face. They have fair prices. Harry's blades are crafted in their very own German factory, and that means controlling the means of production and focusing on the most important feature of a razor, which is the razor, allows Harry's to set reasonable prices as low as two dollars per blade refill. Come on. Come on. And they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Harry stands behind the quality of their blades so much they offer a 100% money-back guarantee on harrys.com. So, you want to support the show and you're shaving something. Yep. Go. Harry's is giving the best offer to You Made It Weird listeners. Harry's customers can redeem a starter set. That is a five-blade razor with the weighted handle, with a travel cover to protect your blades when you're on the go, for a $13 value... For three bucks. That seems like a typo. Whoa. It's three bucks. Three bucks. And you get it. Oh, I'm sorry. You get a shaving gel with aloe. You get a travel cover to protect the blades on the go. You get a five blade razor, weighted handle. Come on. Three bucks. Three bucks. There's truly never been a better time to start your relationship, your shave relationship with Harry's. Go to harrys.com slash weird to try Harry's today. Sorry, baby. Harry's.com. <laughs> say it. Harry's.com oh, well, slash weird to start your shaving today. One job. Let me do it. Let you, me do it right. <laughs> let me do it right. Hey, everybody. Get into it. Just like, just like, get into it. <laughs> You're the love of my life. <laughs> Shum dilly come get some. This is what we came for. That is one of our favorite jokes. Is like <clears throat> an entire like a. Yeah, stadium yeah. crowd yeah. saying a long sentence all together. Well, I think we covered that when Ern did the podcast because that was one of our go-tos. Oh, was it? It was also we were very interested, very interested in crowds <laughs> clapping in unison in impossible ways, not just. <laughs> And then they would go, how are we doing this? Like they would all say, like 300,000 people would say, how are we doing this? Yeah, that's fantastic. Very funny for us. Very funny for us. It's kind of similar to one of my favorite bits on Late Night with Conan O'Brien, the the OG, um, was the guy who chanted, 
but like chant he would chant he would be sitting in the audience and he would be like go sharks go sharks and he would be trying to get everybody and he'd be like you're the best team in all of America come on (laughs) even though you lost the last game come on everybody (laughs) you just would get like more and more I'm not trying to take away from it, but it's very, uh, let's say it's probably inspired by one of my favorite Steve Martin bits, which we could actually listen to. Um, Why not? Why not? (laughs) Why not? I'll look it up. It's, uh, he's playing the banjo at the top of his set, and then he, and he's trying to get everybody to sing along, but it's like an unsing-alongable Song. I'm gonna love it. Yeah, let's listen to it. Why not? It's it's called I believe it's called Ramblin' Guy. And the best line of it, not to it won't ruin it. It's all about the timing. That's what's so great about Steve Martin. And when people ask me who my favorite stand ups are, I always say Steve Martin. Yeah. Um and a lot of people don't really know that he is a stand up. <laughs> uh I think it's on Wild and Crazy Guy. Whoops, I didn't mean to play it. No, don't don't you play it. I still don't understand why I'm this feeling works. It. Why, why this you, album works? No, why you can play something on the same computer that we're recording on and it'll just like Because that's output. All right, I'm out. <laughs> well, this is an the microphone is an input. Uh-huh. And the speaker is an output. Oh, so it's going from the speaker of the computer into the microphone? No, just into the room. It just it's just picking it up like any noise. Right. It's going into the room and then into the microphone. This is I wonder if this is interesting to anybody, but the microphone <laughs> is only interested in the input slot. So it's not like you're kicking it out by by outputting something. Okay, yeah. You're pre- are you pretending to? <laughs> kind of. I've also lost interest. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay, so this is this is from Let's Get Small. Also, I want to say about this record it's a small house. I was just talking to somebody about this. I forget who it was. It must have been on the podcast. But it's like when people do albums and they do it in front of 30,000 people mm-hmm. or Madison Square Garden or something, I'm like, the the best albums are like, in my opinion, mm-hmm. these like hole in the wall, not sold out. You can tell. Yeah. Listen to this. Yeah. You're about to hear... It's all about Tyler. I could tell you every word he says. It would still be funny. <laughs> And he has them say the master of comedy. That's so, so it's funny. already starting. That's so funny. It's already funny. Yes. Nobody wants to be brought up as the master of comedy unless that's the joke. Uh-huh. Oh my god, I could go on and on. <laughs> Thank you. Well. Sorry, I was trying to pause the track to say, is there a funnier way to start? (laughs) There's no funnier way to start than just ripping ass on the banjo. It's the funniest instrument. It's the funniest instrument, but it's also the funniest instrument to be good at. Oh, yeah. And and that's... that's, I also love the banjo. Like, I think it's not just the funniest instrument. I agree. It's a great instrument, and it can be funny. This is sort of before, though, you know, banjo was, like, mumfordized. Right, of course. And, like, lumineered and, like, kind of in the mainstream again. I think it w- it wasn't Steve Martin and the accordion, but it was closer to that than it was cool. And I don't think 
Before I had heard this record, I had never heard someone ripping ass on the banjo. <laughs> ripping ass. Just ripping ass. It's the, like there's no way to begin stand-up. Yeah. I'm doing it for 20 years. There's no natural way to begin, and I think this is the funniest joint. Uh, we have to hear it from the, from the end of the claps. Thank you. Well. 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 <laughs> Is the best is the best opening joke. It's like it's like saying the city you're in. You know what I mean? You're like Cleveland and everyone cheers. But what you're saying, you're calling something out that everyone's experiencing, but what you're experiencing is something you're doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like he's creating rip ass banjo music. (laughs) And then the first joke is in I I guess I'm overanalyzing it. I just love he creates the situation that he then comments on. Yes. You know what I mean? It's complete control. I'm a rambling guy. (laughs) Well I'm rambling, rambling round, I'm a rambling guy. The whistle. The whistle. It's not catchy. I'm rambling, rambling around. I'm a rambling guy. Really just taking this. Oh, I'm just doing my You're Apollo. doing your Apollo. Uh, we're taking this. We're taking a beat by, by inch, beat. I guess. Well, yeah. If you want to listen to it, it's called Let's Get Small. Hop on Spotify and listen to it. If you want to listen to me, listen to it. Listen to We Made It Weird. <laughs> it drops on Fridays. Okay, everybody. Run, sing with me. <laughs> I'm sorry, one pause. Sing with me is the funniest. All the goodwill is still there. They would if they could. Yeah. Sing with me. It's not even giving up tired or something. Okay, ladies only. He's a random guy. Okay, you know I'm in. Okay, this half of the room. Okay, now this half. Beautiful. There's two fifths of the room. Now there's three fifths. Okay, two seconds. Five seconds. Okay. <laughs> And then he rips ass again. He ends with straight ass rip. Listen to the asses ripping. It keeps going. It's another 10 seconds of ass rip. (laughs) I mean, there's no better way to start a stand-up record than that. That's great. He messes up the first time he says going out to stand from 50. Like, he messes up. This is my point. Stand-up is not... Oh, I'm going to get preaching about stand-up. It's not about doing it perfectly. It's not about saying words. It's about, and this is what Ram Dass told me, believe it or not. Uh, believe it or not, Pete, everyone believes it. <laughs> um, he said, don't do comedy. Be comedy. Be funny. Yeah. Become funny. Mm. It's the best advice. 
That's also the hardest advice to follow because mm-hmm. for the first 10, 15 years, you're saying words. Mm. And when you listen to that track, you're really going like, oh, he's just being funny. Because so many people in the first 10 years would go, well, I fucked up. I can't use that one. Yeah. He fucks up a couple times. Yeah. Because it's not the point. Yeah. It's not, he's not saying, oh, I forgot to say five, seven, the first, it's just. He's not rigid. He's very adaptable and flexible and just swimming in it. Exactly. Yeah. It's not about when, well, it is about when, but it's not about what, it's about like how. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like saying uh, this half of the room, now this half of the room, this two sevenths, now five sevenths, isn't that funny. Right. And I think he would agree with that. Mm -hmm. It's stupid. Yeah. So you open with the master of comedy. Mm -hmm. It's already funny. Mm -hmm. Unless you don't get it. And this was like the late 60s. It was, I believe it. I said 77. I'm so stupid. It's the late 70s. Well, I feel a little embarrassed. I thought it was the 60s, but it was the 70s. And I really feel like at that time of counterculture, it was so new to do comedy that you had to be in on the joke. Mm. And I really think he was Mm -hmm. one of the four runners of that phenomenon because yeah. if you uh, what was really happening in the 60s apart from like Lenny Bruce and all that was like troubadours like shtick yeah Sh- nothing wrong with the Smothers Brothers but nobody was really going like oh <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't comedy about comedy anyway welcome to the show everybody we're, we're gonna listen to this whole record <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> that sounds, that's like when I was a teacher and really phoning it in and would like every other day play find like a, a movie or like a very long YouTube clip. Yeah, to, to, yeah. To do, but I could, uh, I could, I would like to teach a comedy class where I just, bas- I'm not teaching. I'm basically just go walking through yeah. what I think is great about this record. Yeah, and for a lot of people, like most of my life, just to in case anybody feels this way now, I'm usually the guy, Melanian Kroll or big like this. They always were like. I don't know, obsessed with MASH or something. Mm. And like, I remember Aziz was always talking about some fucking shit I didn't know. Mm. It was always like, you haven't seen With Nail and I or something? And I'm just like, <laughs> I, and Zach Galifianak and Sarah and Patton and Brian Posehn, they all have their shit. Mm. I never knew what my shit was. So if I'm making anybody go like, wow, I didn't know that was like a special record. There's not, there's not, I don't have a lot of stuff like this. For the most part, I'm, I, I really, even in comedy, feel like the guy on the outside going like, yeah, I like The Simpsons, like basic bitch shit. Mm. And, and whenever, and this is not talking shit on them, obviously, but whenever Mulaney and Kroll were together mm-hmm. and they'd just be like, oh, the 1972 Billy Crystal bootleg or something. And I'm just <laughs> like, I, guys, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so, I'm, I really am so glad that Steve Martin is that person for you because even though I think my brother listened to his stand up, but oh yeah, he definitely did because we we listened to it together when I was in high school. But we loved like we our family movie was the jerk. Yeah, and like Steve Martin was one of my first. Favorites. Well, and he, I think because that's where our like love of silliness, a love of a silly dad too. Yeah, I'm realizing everything is like dad stuff. Mm. The president of the United States is your dad. Mm. So, like, if Trump didn't make sense to you, just know that he looks like a lot of people's dads, mm. like unpredictable, mm-hmm. 
sort of like self-centered, erratic, yeah. strangely loving for some reason, yeah. like offbeat for a moment. For, for a moment. Like then, you think maybe you have him, but then he's off playing golf or something yeah. like that. The reason why that resonated was a lot of people's dads don't look like Joe Biden. And I'm saying that with compassion, yeah. saying like, yeah, like a crazy guy that was like, you know, doing a free throw with a paper towel roll. That yeah. looks way more like dad than yeah. than Joe Biden looks, or, or Obama or Hillary Clinton, certainly. Even the, like, saying you would do something and not doing it. Precisely. That's such a... No, you're, you're working out your, your familial karma yeah. in the politics. You're voting your dad. Let's get, like... And I, I apparently Trump doesn't drink, but, like, let's get the feeling of an alcoholic dad in office, whether or not he's drinking. It certainly felt like, which dad are we going to get today? Mm-hmm. Mean dad? Because Trump was sometimes, like... I, I never liked it, but sometimes he would be in a better mood. You could tell, like in a debate or something, it'd just be a little bit more of the apprentice showbiz guy. And then sometimes it'd be scary guy. I was like, this feels familiar to me. Which one are we going to get? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of, we go for familiar. But Steve Martin was a guy who looked waspy. Not just white, but white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Like he looked like a lot of our dads. Mm-hmm. And yet he was a goof. He was If he was an instrument, he's a trombone. He's like an oboe or a clarinet. He's just like, or a banjo. <laughs> does that not make any sense? It does. Yeah, it What sense. I'm saying is it's somebody that looks like our dad, but then he was very silly. Right. So it like taught people like me and you and your brother, oh, people can be like our dad's age and still be like completely, completely silly. Right. If you were waspy... That looks. He looks like your dad. Yeah, I guess I, I don't. I don't know why I'm trying to generalize that for a mass audience. It just sounds like I bet your brother had a similar experience mm. that I did, and I know my. Can we listen to this one? It's only fifty seconds long. I was going to ask what that one. Was. This one's excellent. This one's excellent. It's called "Mad at My Mother." <laughs> this is from "Let's Get Small Again." If, in case you want to jump on uh, Spotify later. I'm so mad at my mother I don't know She's 102 years old She called me up the other day She wanted to borrow $10 for some food I I said, hey, I work for a living So I loaned her the money I have one of my secretaries take it down and yesterday she calls me up and says she can't pay me back for a while. I said, what is this bullshit, huh? <laughs> so I worked it out with her. I'm having her work on my transmission. <laughs> and if she can't fix that, I'm having her move my barbells up to the attic. <laughs> oh, he says the last line into his drink. You can hear the echo of it. He's going the whole thing. Going to his drink. Which is just everything. What a choice. Boy, I like it is such a mystery. Or maybe it isn't a mystery, but it's just like, you know, the Steve Martin that we know now is so lovely in a different way, but is just like a very serious man. No, I spent a lot of time thinking about that because I, I think I'm worried. Of becoming 
of losing my early Steve Martin and shifting into my late life Steve Martin. Mm. Not to say the late life Steve Martin isn't great, but he doesn't, um, I don't know. It's like, it's like the risk of turning what you love into your job. Yeah. So it's nothing about Steve. It's like when silliness becomes the thing you extract from your bone marrow and then sell, mm. it's very hard to maintain that. And before you know it, you know, like you just want to, you just want to, and I do this too. Like I want to have articles in the New Yorker. I want to write a book. I want, you know, like you start looking for other places. Yeah. I want to be taken sure. sort of, I don't know. I can't speak for him, but like, it seems like your tastes mature and it, it's almost like, almost Michael Jackson-y. Like you mourn the loss. I feel like I mourn the loss that he doesn't, that this was taken from him. You know what I mean? Mm. Instead of like, and I'm completely narrativizing this in my own way. Instead of like just a lifelong journey of little bits of silly here and there, we got all of his silly mm. in like seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. And then it, it like, it didn't dry up. He's still silly, but it wasn't as, it doesn't appear to be as like free flowing and fun. And maybe that scares me because when I listen to my, obviously I'm projecting my earlier stuff. It was easier to be silly. Yeah, I did a show last night, and like I'm like, what am I? Why am I so pinched? <laughs> like, mm. Just kind of like a pinched, less silly person, and I think that's just what happens in life. I think I worry about that, even though I'm not in comedy. Like, and I I do think this is maybe an untrue story that I tell myself, but I will, I will often tell myself like, God, I'm just so like serious and denser. Yes. As I get older, like I used to just be like a whimsical, playful little butterfly. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, de I like dense because what mm. happens when you're not dense is you kind of get swept up and can go this mm. way or that way. Yeah. You date this person, you have this job. And then like after you sort of get your taste and your preferences, you just get heavy around them. Yeah. And like, I think... Again, I'm projecting onto Steve, but like in every extrovert, there's like an intense introvert. Mm -hmm. And when you give a forced extrovert, a performer, all the money and respect that they could need, then the, the introvert is going to finally get their time to shine. Not to say that, you know, he did Shop Girl, he did all these wonderful things and he continues to do things. Clearly, I'm talking about myself because <laughs> in the quarantine, I was like, oh, I like being an introvert. Yeah. Like I was talking to people at the show last night. I was like, I didn't want to take a break from stand-up. I wanted everyone to take a break from stand-up. Mm. And when we were doing that, I was talking to Mikey about this, Birbiglia. It's hard, even if it's a thing you love. That's a that's a good message for everybody. I just want to get this out as, as much as I can. Is like, even though there's a lot, there may be a lot you like about life. Life is also the only thing that's ever hurt you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So even though we're like, oh, it seems like things are sort of opening back up cautiously, it's still a it's a multifaceted beast that's slowly breaking into your house again. Yeah, it's good things, but it's also like awkward moments, strange conversations. My parents are visiting right now. <laughs> I mean, like that That'll is that'll make you miss the quarantine. <laughs> I mean, like for real, that's that's part of it. Is like it takes. The complicated nuance of how and when do you see family that you know you have a lot of love for each other, but it is never easy to hang out. Mm -hmm. uh, it just took that 
impossible math problem mm-hmm. off the table for both mm-hmm. sides, I think. Mm-hmm. Everybody was just sort of like, it's easier to talk about how much we'd like to hang out mm-hmm. than it is to hang out, yeah. in, in my family at least. Right. You, you all do best when you're talking on the phone once a week, and that can be as short or as long as as you want. Yeah. And you're talking about how much you wish you could be together. That's really the best. You're absolutely right, Mom. Yeah. I call you Mom. Mom. <laughs> well, I sometimes call you Mama, but that, in that context, it felt weird. Yeah, that was weird. Well, I should have said Mama. I do call you Mama. Anyway, I don't feel that weird about that, but yes. <laughs> Maybe I should. Uh, yeah. yeah, but so there, you're saying like there are anxiety. Oh, but, but what you found, I, if I recall was once life kind of opened up again, you said the whole quarantine I thought I was a cat, but I, I it turns out I'm a dog. Meaning you really... You mean after I went out and did stand-up? I thought and, I was a dog. And after we, like, the first day that we, like, went to baby music class and then went to Kate's house and hung out and yeah. had, like, a play date uh, and you were social again and you were, missed it. But really, of course, the answer is somewhere in between for everybody. Well, that's it's interesting because when I was with Richie, Richard Rohr, we were talking about the mind of, of an addict. Mm-hmm. And I was complaining that um, my my mom read my book. And in my book, there's one chapter about taking mushrooms. And then my and then she said to my dad, have you read your son's book? He's a drug addict. <laughs> And I was like, obviously that was pretty uh, upsetting, but like Richard said, you know, a lot of addicts have either or thinking. Mm. And maybe he meant that about my mom, but I actually took that for me. That's so like, funny because... I'm so black and white. Because you could be like, that's all or nothing thinking. You're the addict. <laughs> Hilarious. What do you mean? <laughs> like she was doing all or nothing Right, thinking. well, I think that's what he was intuiting. Yeah, it, but I just yeah. mean, like, if you had known in that moment, you could you could have said, that's all or nothing her. thinking. Yeah, you're, you're the addict. Yeah. <laughs> well, then I think people with all or nothing thinking tend to project all or nothing thinking and see it at other places. Anyway, sure, yeah. what I'm saying is, what I'm what we're always working through on this podcast is just a desire for more nuance and more levels of gradation instead of just black and white. So I'm like... We're in the quarantine, and I go, okay, I am an, I, I'm an indoor cat. Mm-hmm. Then quarantine ends, and I go, no, I'm a dog. I'm a gregarious dog. Mm-hmm. And it's like, people message me sometimes, and they're just like, stop worrying about what Enneagram number you are. Everybody's everything. Everybody's shifting and moving around. And wow. I was like, I think that's what I... Richie has a book about it, about dualistic thinking, called The Naked Now. And I really recognized myself in it, and I really loved it. And I'm trying really hard to not be like, it's both. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I really, like last night at the show, I really liked being out. Mm-hmm. And then other times, like, it's a direct order to not talk to anybody, not even reply to an email and just shut it down. Yeah. And it, it can be both. And then other times it's a healthier want to be alone. Yeah. Like, it's a good alone. It's not like a, I'm exhausted alone. It's like, no, I'm actually so good that I'd just like to float around like St. Francis and feed birds. Yeah, that's you know? right. That's why like attunement is just the most important thing where when it comes to just working through all of this because our mind wants to 
organize it and narrativize it and be like, okay, I, I'm in the quarantine and I'm liking this. I must be this way all the time. Right. I must not like to be with people and give like a very dualistic label. And and the truth is the next day you could be feeling completely different. That's right. Or if you're attuned, you might notice that moment to moment you feel completely different. And, and it becomes less about finding the mind's reaction to our feelings, which is finding patterns and making a whole story around it, which it's doing as its own way of trying to protect us and orient us. Um, but when you do that, and when I do that, I make myself crazy because I'm like every little feeling, I'm like thinking of all the last times I felt that and trying to make a pattern and like, like, you know, a beautiful mind. That's what I'm putting it all together. Going like you should, you should make a calendar of how and when you feel. I, th- I think that every day. I <laughs> truly think that every day. I should make. I should be keeping a journal of this so I can notice any kind of patterns. When and maybe there are some, but really, that only matters if you are in your head and you care about that. Yeah. If you get in the body. The body's just like riding the waves, baby. All right, yeah. that one's over. Now here's the new thing. I'm not trying to like make sense of this. I'm just letting it flow through me. And when you're healthy, it's easier to do that, yes. to just go with the flow. Because yes. I had to laugh at myself because my parents, again, they're here. <laughs> they're here. <laughs> Ding dong. Oh, God. And... uh I realized, like, of course you're always doing fucking cleanses and shit. Yeah. Because you're trying to kind of, like, clean up your insides. Yeah. You're like, you're like again, I, I have so much love for my parents, and I actually enjoyed our hang in some ways, and have been looking forward to seeing them in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> it's the biggest... the best the you biggest can do. <laughs> caveat in some ways. No, but it, that, that can be true. And... <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it's true. That can be true. That can be true. It's like I'm on, it's like I'm on the stand. I, I look forward to... Uh, what, Mr. Holmes, would you say you look forward to seeing your parents? I would... Um, yeah, I would say that uh, there are ways in which I can uh, identify a part of myself <laughs> that is not uh, dissimilar to a feeling of... Positive anticipation, uh, heretofore known as to looking forward to uh, the uh, commodity known as my parents. Yes, that may in fact occasionally be true. This moment, notwithstanding, <laughs> it's just like thank you, like okay. nonsense. Yeah, I love it, it. there were so many moments. They were having like a little fight in the pool. My mom was trying to get around my dad. <laughs> It's always it's always doing something they don't have to do. Yeah. There's always something happening that doesn't need to be done. Yeah. There's a Brian Regan bit about uh, super bodybuilders that like throw tractor tires up into second story windows. And they're always like, ah! And he's always <laughs> like, hey, they don't have to be up there. <laughs> Nobody, we don't need those tires up there. Just put it down. Yeah. Put down the tire. Nobody needs it. <laughs> Nobody needs you. We don't need that vein in your neck up there. Just put the tire down, Thunder. 
Thunder, put the tire down. Sorry, thunder. I'm very much enjoying doing that impression. Thunder. Wow. Thunder. Look at yeah, I know. We could we could play that track uh, back. We're looking at the spiking sound on the on the screen. Anyway, that's how I feel with my mom. She's always trying to like take a photo. When you just want to be like, we don't need a photo. Yeah. It's not even a good photo. So yeah. then she's, and she's very, it's hard for her to move, which is sad. Uh, so she's getting up in a pool mm-hmm. to get her phone. And then she gets the phone and I'm like, do you need help? I'm holding the big, oh, I got it. And then she's coming back. And now she wants to be on the other side of my dad. Again, why? Why? So she's going around him, and then she goes, Jay, hold my phone. Hold my phone. And I go, Mom, are you okay? Hold my phone, Dad, hold my phone. And, he, and then Dad goes, your mother's all right. And then she goes to me. Yeah, yeah. Don't say mother's all right. Ask mother if she's all right. And she said, don't ask your dad if I'm all right. Ask me if, you're all, if I'm and all right. And then I said, I, I did. <laughs> I didn't say you were all right. Dad did. Anyway, so there's this phone almost being dropped in the pool. And then in the middle of it, she goes, oh, look, a ladybug. <laughs> <laughs> like, it all dropped, and it wasn't a ladybug. It was a bee. It was a bee that I had saved from the pool. I didn't want the bee to die, so I took the bee out of the pool, and it was on the, on the side drying off. And my mom goes, no, that's, oh, it's a ladybug. Oh, no, it is a bee. And then she somehow, I don't even know how you would do this if you try, somehow she got the bee back in the pool. <laughs> As I'm saying this, I have no memory. But next thing I know, the bee is back in the pool. And now she's trying to save the bee. Oh, my god! And when she's she doing it, she's, she's just submerged. This woman who can barely keep herself from submerging <laughs> is trying to save a bee. And my dad's talking to a woman, and we're all nervous about that, because what's he going to say? Yeah. It was, uh, but here's the real one I wanted to share that was, that was a, a hoot. Was my dad, and again, subtitles on, uh-huh. I think he's just saying, I love you and I want to connect. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. But again, as we always say on this podcast, you just want to go like, can we just go, can we move past the time where you're parenting me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I, I, can't we just be people together? Mm-hmm. And he's going, because the, the TV show that I'm so fortunate to be doing uh, up next, Smallwood on CBS, <laughs> it just airs after this podcast, um, is about bowling, mm-hmm. in part. And he goes, uh, bowling is, uh, is more popular than you may think, Peter. And I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. And he goes, they have a TV show, Bowling for Dollars. Bowling for Dollars was a TV show in the 70s. <laughs> This is this is my greatest fear. Mm-hmm. One of my greatest fears is when you hit pause mm-hmm. and what what you've experienced. And by the way, not just my dad. I do this. My dad does this. Humanity does this. I'm not scapegoating my dad. It's just so frightening when you get such a clear example of like whenever human beings are talking about something, you're only hearing. You're, it's like going to a a library. That only has like 12 books. Most of the shelves are empty. Mm-hmm. And you start having a conversation with most people about science. Mm-hmm. And you go to their like horribly underfunded science section. Yeah, but instead yeah. of we, uh, humans just saying like, you know, I don't know. Is, bo- is bowling popular? Like, where's that at? We just take a book from 1977 <laughs> called Game Shows We Flipped Past. <laughs> 
and go bowling for dollars. Mm. Really, I understand the intention is connection and love, and that is beautiful. But I'm really troubled by how I do that, too. How I don't... Like, I'll give you an example. At the show last night, I was talking to a young black woman, and she was telling me how much she likes animated shows. Mm. Animated cartoons. uh, Comedy shows. And I immediately thought of another black woman that I knew that liked some of the shows she was saying. Mm-hmm. Okay? Just a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am I could feel the temptation in my brain to go, young black women like comedy shows that are cartoons mm-hmm. because of two. Mm-hmm. And buddy, sometimes you do it off of one. Sometimes you do it off of zero. You do it off of just hearsay or an imagination Mm-hmm. Or or a movie that you saw while you were half awake on a plane. Mm-hmm. Like the brain is so, on one hand, brilliant. But on the other hand, it's so ill-equipped to know anything about anything. And yet it forges on. And so do I. It happens on this podcast all the time. Steve Martin did this album in the late 60s. It happened this episode. Well, yeah. that I mean, that could have happened to anybody. But You're sweet and I, kind. I mean, yes, that's it goes back to the way the brain organizes in order to keep us safe. It is only interested in like efficiency. It's not interested in compassion. That those are matters of the heart and the body. That's right. Yeah. So it is Spock now, you're, and it's You're you're so right on. Yes. And your brain specifically took its cues from that man. And your dad, I don't have to call him that man. That's kind of cruel. But he, when you were young, you were looking, you know, as anybody does, as a child, you look to these two giants to tell you how to organize this world. And that's what he showed you. So that's what you learned to do. Right. It's just what, not even what you learned to do. That's what your brain learned to do. Yeah, that's fair. So your brain was like, how do I organize this? And he's like, you jump to conclusions way too quickly. Sometimes like kind of racist conclusions. Not, not saying that story was, but like there are some. Well, what it's, it's, I think racism would be a a, a judgment. It's a, it's, um, it's, it's like a, a, a stereotype. A, char- a characterization. A characterization. It's a, a generalization. It's a generalization. It's, sure, it's, yes. a, it's looking for patterns. And one of the patterns in the example I gave was racial. But, like, it can be obviously dangerous. Taken to a perverse extreme. Yes. It is sort of... It can be the, the seeds that grow into a lot of prejudice. Yeah, yeah. Potentially. Right. Um, I certainly don't think my, my father is racist, uh, just in case... In case at the pool they flip this episode on. <laughs> um, but then the other thing that's kind of difficult about it is it really works. Mm. I'm not saying it should work mm. or that it's good that it works, but a lot of the success I've had in my life has been from what I learned from my dad, which isn't necessarily, I keep saying nuanced, but it's not very nuanced. Mm. But like, look at like what um, comedians are doing. They're making grotesque exaggerations mm-hmm. and running with them mm-hmm. and having opinions about everything. Mm-hmm. Like Bill Burr comes to mind. It's like Bill Burr sees two, three people who drink coffee, who are always grinding their teeth. Mm-hmm. That becomes a funny thing. And, and maybe if it's only, even if it's only one out of a hundred people that drinks coffee that grinds their teeth in the way that he does on stage, mm-hmm. this is all made up. 
it'll still kind of work mm-hmm. because we're working in these generalities. Mm-hmm. Like when you're roasting uh, people, it's it's helpful to have that brain and go like that. I'm calling it like I see it. It's not funny to go like cats are assholes. Well, I did know one cat mm-hmm. that God bless her heart every night would curl up into Miss McMurphy's lap and give her a bath. And the night that Miss McMurphy died, she meowed. I swear to God, she meowed Amazing Grace. That's not funny. It's funny to say cats are assholes. Right. Right. Well, of course, because this society was built from the very same brain. We cut off our bodies and we organized our whole society and culture from this brain who that organizes through generalizations. So it really is in, when you say cats are assholes, you're saying your brain is saying to all the other brains in the room, this is how I organize this. Is that how you organize it? And those brains go, yeah, that's how I organize that's it. That's right. And something beautiful comes from it. You feel seen. You don't feel alone. But it you're can like, also be disturbing. But it can also be, it's, it's just, it's the whole problem with living just from your brain, which is just from your mind, which is it's not a problem unless that's all you're seeing. It's not a problem. It's just limiting. So yeah. if, if, you, if there's no room for anything else, any other experiences, any other opinions, the, bo- the experience of the body... Like, then that's when it becomes a problem. For an hour on stage, I I don't think that's a problem. You're giving one perspective of one part of the human experience. Yeah. But if you are living from that space, that's when it just becomes very limiting. It's really interesting. I I just, I did a book launch. So Dr. Robin Henderson Espinosa Mm -hmm. has a new book coming out next year. Oh. All right, the screensaver went on. I don't like when I can't see the thing. Make sure it's recording. Uh, It's about becoming. It's about embodiment. And it's brilliant. And we were talking about just what you mentioned, which is like when you're only in the head, which again, I'm saying there's an upside to the brain that I've inherited. And I benefit greatly from having a brain that can go bam, 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 bam. It helps me feel more secure in the world. It helps me create uh, it's, it's one of the reasons why I like writing scripts because I can be like, it's one of these kinds of people, and that, and this is what I don't mean a race. I really wish you hadn't. I'm sorry. Introduced the race element. I was talking now, about your dad. Well, that's even worse. What if uh, not? Not worse. I don't want him to think that we're saying something bad about him. I don't think. He, do we think he's ever listened to this podcast? A fair point. <laughs> but um, and we would understand it. <laughs> oh my god! But. Oh my god, now I'm going to be nervous I'm sorry You don't have to be sorry, it's my problem Uh, I forgot what I was saying Um, uh, Embodiment Yes, Robin It's all head and that's fine There's even some good sides to it But we were talking about like corporations are all head too Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what's going on here Is like So white men, for example In particular, are being asked to make room for other Voices. Yeah. And we're all sort of in agreement that that's a value in America. Like mm-hmm. we're trying to propagate the idea that's a value, that's a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. And we do believe it. 
Mm-hmm. But like where the real rubber meets the road in this country, our real gods, our real idols, mm-hmm. is the corporation. Mm. So on one hand, we're like, give room to other voices and have compassion and lead from your heart. And then if they make a movie about Jeff Bezos <laughs> and Michael Fassbender plays him, we're going to run to the theaters because that's our real, mm. like, that's our gun to our head Really, what do you really value? And you're like someone who's just mowing down fields of money Mm. at any cost. Mm. Like, and that's disturbing. So what I'm saying is corporations are like other people in our society, but they're huge. They're like gods. And those gods don't set a good example. Does that make sense? Uh uh-huh. Like, so... We're, it, it almost feels like, and I don't believe this, it almost feels like small potatoes to be like, be kind, be gracious. But it's like, but really, if you can, get an axe and cut off as many heads as you can. Mm. And like, I know Amazon has, we just talked to somebody about this. There's good things about their business model. I'm not going to go into that. What I'm saying is it's not as simple as like they're evil. But like, we don't see a lot of corporate uh, examples of like, it's like we always say, nobody's going like, hey, we have a billion dollars, let's just plateau and be the best company in the world. Yeah, they're everybody's just like, just keep making more money than you did last year, right? Which you know is well, is the definition of psychosis. That's right, and it's like, unfortunately, we've made these models which are very like masculine models. And we've all, uh, so many of us have become dependent and addicted to consumerism. So we're just buying into these models. And now it's like things like, you know, recycling. It's like the plants are too, the recycling plants are too uh, full. They can't possibly recycle all of it. So even though we still recycle, it's like, it's not really about that. It's going to have to be corporations making policies changing plastic like not using plastic that's exactly so right then we're like so something like as serious as whether or not we have a planet in 30 years or 100 goes years or to whatever, the gods goes to the gods who are like the worst <laughs> i don't even know what the gods are doing we, we talked about this i believe the number is is it three hundred thousand dollars after you have three hundred thousand dollars any more money than that doesn't really make a difference. Yeah, it was something like that. Unless you're living like a really extravagant like rock and roll or hip hop like lifestyle where you want to pull up in the Hummer limo in the white fur, maybe then you're going to be like, man, I wish I had more than $300,000 because I just went to dinner last night and I'm broke. But isn't that about happiness? It's like they it's about found, happiness, and I yeah. don't know if it's 300000 it's somewhere between 300000 and a million. <laughs> I definitely think it's less than a million and it's happiness. It, it is like they have found that after this certain price point, you or the certain income point, you know, it no longer contributes to your happiness. You're it's all just like a wash after that. Right. And right. And yeah. And yet we still have the gods making, doing whatever they can but to make more and more and more exactly. money. So it doesn't matter really to them, but it makes a big difference to all of the skulls they're bashing in to make that money. <laughs> right. 
And then I think it becomes about bashing skulls. That's mm. the new currency mm-hmm. that you like, is the thrill of being Genghis Khan. Yeah. Like, you don't care about... Genghis Khan took over how much land, right? Mm. But, like, you can't live on all that land. It's mm-hmm. just an idea at a certain point. You, you have all of this land. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? It doesn't yeah. mean anything. It's just a story Genghis Khan told him, or Napoleon tell themselves as they're falling asleep. Mm-hmm. They can't live there. Mm-hmm. They're just one person. Yeah. So that's the same with money. So then it just becomes about power. And that's why money and power go hand in hand. Yeah. So somebody was like, Jeff Bezos makes, how, they broke it down that he makes like something crazy every 15 minutes mm-hmm. or something. He's making like more money than whatever, than most people make in a year every hour or mm-hmm. something. And it's like, what is, it's what I, I used to say, again, Mulaney comes up again, but we used to joke about what did the guy in No Country for Old Men, Anton Chigar, the bad guy, mm. why did he want the money? Mm. He's getting the money to give it back to the people that they stole it from so he can get a cash reward. And what is he doing with it? Going to Club Med, I would like a margarita. Like, what is he doing? Like, wh- how Burning does he kick it like back? The Joker. Well, that's why the Joker is great. Burning the money. Yeah. Uh, because they don't really care. They know that it's just about chaos and anarchy, and I think that is what that guy is about. Mm. But I don't know what Bezos is doing. We live a very cush life. It's a very mm-hmm. sweet life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've seen. We've been next to people that have lots and lots of money. I don't know how you. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Like, at a certain point, you're either eating a nice sandwich or you're not. Mm. But like, you can't stuff it with gold. Yeah. Right. I, like, right. And you just and it kind of goes back to some of the people that we saw at the resort that we went to that were just so miserable still, and it and it really is like. But the power thing is interesting because that kind of goes back to parents. Because why do we want so much power? Why is that such a big part of the human experience? And, you know, it could be evolutionary. Um, But it also makes a lot of sense to me that it's like coping with the powerlessness of being a child. And if you weren't respected as a child or the people who were in power didn't do a great job and you didn't feel safe... Like, a way that we, you know, like we've said, we're all just, like, terrified, walking around kind of scared children and Mm. have our personalities that are our protectors and our ways of of coping with that. And, like, for some people it is to just get as much power as possible. Right. It's like a way of putting on a huge armor. Yeah, you can't hurt me again. Yeah, Nobody can hurt me again. Yeah. Which is so funny because... For all the, the good game I I talk sometimes on this podcast. You talk a good I game. I talk a good game. <laughs> well, it really is Advice from a Coward, and I want to be very clear about that. That's a great book title. Advice from a Coward? Yeah. You're not the first person that told me that. You've said Advice from a Coward before? Uh-huh. Oh. In fact, it was Nick Kroll who was like, that's a great book title. Nick Kroll and I have exactly the same taste. <laughs> you like Billy Crystal Live 1983? I do. That's... That record changed me. Hilarious. (laughs) I don't know anything. But it it is a meaning, it's advice I can't really follow. Like, I've talked to your brother about your dad or or Mm. weird feelings he might be having, and I'm like, yeah, and I I can't do any of this. You're worried about the things that I said on this podcast. Yes. 
And little that boy. makes sense because no, but all little boy, <laughs> little baby boy. We all feel that way about our dads. That's why we all love the show Succession. <laughs> well, that's why, and that's why it's a cliche. It's a cliche uh, that you you to have a character giving advice on how to like evolve or grow apart or or, or uh, grow into a better relationship with your dad mm-hmm. is the person who can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's the life coach who doesn't have their life together. It's a cliche. Yeah, but like we love it. Or it's it's a trope. It doesn't have to be cliche. It's just true over and over and over and again. And we're always going to see that. Over yeah. Leela is going to be introducing us to movies that are going to be blowing her mind, and to us will be like. And let me guess: the person who's telling you to not eat uh, cheese eats a lot of cheese at night. Because mm-hmm. we've seen it a million times. Yeah. But uh, and isn't so- that kind of comforting that we're not alone? That like yes, it's just part of the experience. Clearly, we're all doing it. I love it. Yeah, and I'm glad that. We have that little moment on tape of me feeling very scared. I'm like, Dad, uh, or, or no, just feeling. I wouldn't say very, very scared. I seem like a little bit scared. <laughs> hey, throw me that monster energy drink. <laughs> just like a manly amount of scared. Just you know? like whatever, like, whatever. Like more like exhilarated. <laughs> more of an exhilaration. <laughs> but we went to a brief breakfast, and again, a brief, a breakfast. brief breakfast that I did, and also maybe did not, but did. Uh, enjoy, but also didn't enjoy. But I, that when, can be true. I that think can that's be true. the funniest thing you could say when you're being faced with something or like on the stand or like that can be a true. politician who it was like, but didn't you deny the claims of sexual relations with Monica Lewinsky? And like, that can be true. <laughs> that can be true is <laughs> the best. I love it. Um, now I'm thinking about it. Oh, advice from a coward. What, what, what would the that's book a be? Great, that's a great title. And you know what? That Can Be True is a great book Hilarious. title. I'm writing them both down. Um, Anywhoozel, I got back home. And one of the reasons I'm all jacked up today is because you guys might laugh. We got rid of the elliptical, but then we got a treadmill. <laughs> so now let's have a 15-minute break for you guys to laugh. <laughs> I, I remember Moshe uh, saying something... When we got the elliptical, Moshe was like, yeah, we got one of those. Now that's where we hang our, our laundry to dry or something yeah, that's, like that. Yeah, that's pretty typical. I, I remember when I did Jay Moore's podcast, I was like, I think we're going to get an elliptical. And he urgently was like, buy this one. You can have it. Take this one. <laughs> because and I, guess what? They're a pain in the ass by the, to get, to get rid, rid of. is incredibly hard. Yeah. But uh, I got it. By selling the elliptical and then with uh, points. I had points. Anyway, who cares? I got points. I had points. I, had, uh, I bought points. it with my miles. I bought it with miles. <laughs> I got home from that uh, walk, uh, from that breakfast, and I coped with all of the stress, mm-hmm. even though, again, uh, everybody's doing the best they can. <laughs> and that can be true. This episode of We Made It Weird is called Disclaimers. Hilarious. I realized that I was still coping in exactly the same way I was when I was 12. How? And those things basically worked. I listened to Rancid very, very loud. Wonderful. And I, instead of just sitting there and listening to Rancid, I went, I've been using the treadmill every day. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of that. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm trying to stay healthy. I want to stay alive. Mm -hmm. And I like walking. And so far, it's been working. Because believe it or not... The tread, uh, the elliptical, just the base 
function of the of the elliptical, just moving it to kind of just getting it going. Mm-hmm. That's sort of you know how there's like a and then like to kind of get, that was yeah. enough to make me not do it. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to do the that that first creaking push mm-hmm. before it's like kind of self perpetuating. Yeah, I didn't want to do that, and I was like, I like walking. I, I can watch a movie or something, and I'll just walk. Yeah, and it's been working. And today, I had so much pent up sort of feeling that I ran as if from my problems. You- <laughs> <laughs> and it felt fantastic. You ran? I wasn't like, you should run. Yeah. I just happened. The speed <sighs> kept going up. Yes. And at a certain point, I was like, this is a ridiculous speed to walk. And then I remembered yogging. I think it's yogging. Yeah, it's pronounced yogging most definitely. And I and it felt so I know that kind of run. It was like what we're always saying that like the suffering is the pulling back of the bow. First I meditated. Mm-hmm. And I, we always talk about how my mantra is yes, thank you. I was having a really hard time mm. believing yes, thank you to just the complex emotions of your family. Mm-hmm. But I was like just keep saying it till you believe it. And I did that, and it was fine. And then I, rancid and running was fucking great. And that's what I would have done when I was 12. And now I feel fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. Ah, this is dancing. Like, listening to... This is dancing? This is dancing. Listening to music and running, very similar to dancing. And, like, they are... It's so healing on so many levels. But also what you just did was you were the duck flapping your wings. That's like, right. You had the trauma trigger reaction energy in your well, body. Explain that in case people don't know. Uh, it's from I is it from a New Earth or a Power of Now? One of Eckhart Tolle's books, where he describes watching ducks, and they, they would have an altercation. They would be still and float, and you know, one of them would inevitably come into somebody else's, somebody else, another duck's territory, and then they would have an altercation that lasted you know maybe one minute and then they would part ways and they would once they were separated they would flap their wings to like get rid of the energy of the the fear and anger of the altercation and almost every animal i think has some form of that like bears who are tagged like polar bears or whatever who are tagged will shake for a while to like release the trauma and the fear of that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like a beautiful design that animals have and we have it too where we're meant to like have the experience, have an, a flooding of energy and then physically release that energy mm-hmm. in one way or another, crying, laughing, dancing, shaking, like we have a, a lot of different ways of doing it. That's right. But uh, most often we go with denying that you feel that way and not releasing it in any way. Well, now that is me. <laughs> like what what was on the menu when I felt just sort of pent up mm-hmm. and a little blocked? Uh certainly jerking it, certainly eating mm-hmm. weed. I don't drink anymore, but back in the day it would have been booze. Mhm. Or a movie. Mm-hmm. All of these like escapes, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I, I I hope that I can stay in a space where I remember that the best one. Okay, so well, I that... I've been off nicotine gum for a while now, 
What were you going to say? I was just going to say you can see the clear differences. Like one is releasing the energy and the other is numbing it or distracting from it or denying it. And so that energy is still in you. And guess when it's probably going to come out tomorrow at breakfast with them again. And then there's an accumulation. But you are like self, you're a self-cleaning oven. It was the best. So I've been doing, like I said, the treadmill every day. And a lot of the days, it's been a slog. Today was a fucking joy. I had so much Mm. energy. Yeah. It was easy and fun. It was almost like the the parents diet mm. do you are you afraid that some of the worst attributes of your parents is inside you do a juice cleanse are you worried that the rage that you feel from planning lunch while eating breakfast with your family is going to lead to an outburst of emotional trauma to your family go for a jog it's the unhealthy family dynamic cleanse and exercise regime you too can lose and then quickly gain back 10 to 15 pounds just channeling the fear and rage you have towards your loved one if you call right now, we'll have your mother call you and motivate you Hilarious. to make the right choices. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dial one if you want your mom to ask if you found a job yet. <laughs> uh, the, that's the sort of question my mom would ask. Um, listen, what were we saying? Oh, I've been off the Nicky gum for a while. Why do I love nicotine gum or why was I loving it? Because it gets your heart rate up. Uh, it's like the most obvious thing in the world. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, yesterday I was feeling a little anxious in the morning and I went to um, a wonderful Afro-funk dance class and I was like, there's something to when your heart rate is up, like because of anxiety, being like, all right, girl, you stay up. I'm going to give you a reason. Like you're pumping blood at such a rate. I'm going to use this and like use this blood yeah you know and like leaning into it feels really nice sometimes i couldn't agree more now you and now we understand like why every doctor tells you to exercise (laughs) to to exercise well it does it did feel like there was uh it was like a big dam and there was all this river water that was blocked by the dam and the dam could be made of all those things i mentioned alcohol avoidance weed or whatever Mm -hmm. and it did feel like tearing down the dam and letting it flow a little bit. Here's another reason. In a body way. I didn't solve anything mentally. That's right. And that's you don't so have to. Uh, that's the thing. That's, I think that's what we're And also to. you can't. You can't. You can't. Okay. Okay, mind. We've let you have control for 42 years. You keep thinking that you're solving a problem and that we really appreciate your efforts. Um, but n- after giving you decades of a chance... Why don't we just give body a shot and see? And body will be like, I don't see the problem. (laughs) What's the problem? Yeah. There was energy in. I released it. We're on to something else, you know? It's so interesting. Wow. It, um, that really, like, you can get so, I, I know this because I do at least for an hour every day. And sometimes I feel I spend weeks in this place of, just thinking about the problem and trying to solve the problem and just getting in that cycle. And, and it only is when I go, Oh, wait a minute, check in with my body. All right. This isn't a problem, you know? Um, Mm, mm. but that's just the old tune. I always sing that old tune. you, You all know that old tune by now. Um, but I wanted to say, Oh, here's another reason to exercise. 
I was talking to your mother. Your mother. Peter, uh, <laughs> that's outrageous. <laughs> um, that's one of my favorite impressions because it's not how she sounds, but it is her essence. <laughs> yeah, it's an essence impression. Um, and she was saying something I've heard her say before, but she's like... you. Talking about her, I asked about her chiropractor because he's a real presence in her life. Yes. And she was saying, you know, he tells me that I need to walk. And I say, well, I can't walk. And he says, well, that's because you don't walk. (laughs) And I was like, that's a real thing. Like, you got to exercise while you can and keep that momentum up because to be almost 80, is she almost I think she is 80. To be 80 and trying to start exercising for the first time in your life, yeah. you can't, you can't. Yeah, no, I know. And and somebody told me that about Rami D, who's above my treadmill. I was looking at him, listening to Rancid. It was actually really beautiful. Mm. I was having all of this rage and all of this sort of exorcism mm. and like working it out in the body too. And there's smiling old Rami D and I'm just looking in his eyes and he's like, this too. Yeah. This too. Yeah. It's not just, spirituality is not just about being nice or being happy or being calm. I think the reason why, like, not recognizing that your library is under underfunded and mm-hmm. under, uh, doesn't have enough inventory, like it doesn't know a lot of things, is because it's very unconscious. It's just kind of like, Going around like you have the whole picture when you don't. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is you can do anything consciously. Mm-hmm. And we were, I was just talking to somebody about that. It's like you can get drunk consciously to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You can watch Jean-Claude Van Damme movies consciously. Mm-hmm. When we were growing up, it was about not getting drunk and not watching Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Mm-hmm. It was certainly about not being angry mm-hmm. and certainly not about being frustrated about your family or anything like that Mm -hmm. and to find a spirituality that has an allowance Mm -hmm. for shame and rage Mm -hmm. and lust and brokenness and sadness and humiliatedness and all of the or whatever you want to call that is just so helpful and and you'd think so one of the weirdest things when my my first wife my ex-wife when she left me I was listening to Joel Osteen at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, go figure. <laughs> <laughs> the Ram Dass of the Christian world. Oh, no, my God. No. More of the Tony Robbins of the Christian world. Well, I mean, he Joel Osteen is what he is, but like uh, he's very upbeat and positive and, and a lot of... A lot, it was very nice. It was a lot of prosperity stuff, like yes. God's looking out for you stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when my wife left me, uh, and I was broken. I tried listening to it. And mm-hmm. I've said this a million times, mm-hmm. but it might as well have been in another language. Like, mm-hmm. I just couldn't understand it. Yeah. And what I love about Alan Watts and Ram Dass and, and Richie Rohr and all of these later teachers, they're all the ones that have not just an allowance for suffering, but an incorporation for suffering, a time to just own that you're angry. Mm. Have I told this story on the pod? I don't think I have. In my book, uh, I tell a story about, I'm a comedian, and it's the last time I went to church, and somebody came up to me, one of the associate pastors, and he said to me, how do you, um, how do you justify being a Christian and a comedian? 
And I really just was so insulted and angry by that question because that's basically was an insecurity of mine. Mm-hmm. Is I, I'm supposed to be a good boy. I'm supposed to be a Christian, but I really want to be a comedian. But as soon as I become a comedian, everyone will know. Really, I'm a porn star, basically. You know what I mean? It's like that's what I that's what I'm really about. So I I can't really blend in at church anymore. Did and, you say how do you justify or how do you reconcile? I think you might have said reconcile. I don't really know. Yeah, it's definitely one of those stories that, in my talk about my own library and having some humility, I wasn't transcribing it after it happened. I wrote the story down 15 years after it happened. Right, so, and knows. what you wrote was what it felt like. It was an essence impression. Yeah, it was an essence impression. What it was exactly. is he, he was saying something that really felt like, whether or not it's what he literally said, how can you be a Christian and a comedian? Yeah. And then he said, I was just talking to a friend of yours um, who wanted to be a comedian, but he just couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about a friend of mine named Jim, who I knew, who was very funny. And, I, and, and Jim ultimately decided not to go into comedy because he thought it was it, the two didn't go together. Right. So not only was he sort of calling me out, it felt, mm-hmm. but he's also saying like, look, there's another way. Jim turned, he felt the call of the devil and he, he went the other mm-hmm. way. So that was such an impactful moment for me. Um, but because it was such a sensitive spot on me to push. It's like a bruise. Of course. And it, so I was already feeling insecure. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to love God. And I like talking about shit and, and fucking and whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to, to have that balance. And I think that's okay. And I think God or the mystery or whatever is okay with, with, uh, with dirty, dirty art mm-hmm. or whatever. So then in comes Richie and, and Richard Rohr is such a beloved friend of mine and I'm so happy that he's in my life and he likes my comedy, which means so much to me. I actually, he just emailed me and told me that he watched a special of mine and it just made me so happy. Mm-hmm. So almost like just a perfect call and response, the, the, the wound and then the healing. Mm. But then I'm with Richie and we go to this dinner and this other priest comes to meet us, and I don't know this guy, and he doesn't know me. And Richard, like a proud father, is like, oh, Pete's a comedian. And the first thing this guy says is, how do you achieve balance in your life as a comedian? And I, now that I'm calm and fine, I can kind of see maybe that's a fair, maybe that's inbounds. He, he might, it, like, that's such a vague question. He might have meant like it's a job that makes you travel a lot how do you do that it's a job that is very demanding how do you have you know like he could have been asking in the way that it was like how do you achieve balance as a surgeon you know yeah that's right you're absolutely right but i'm on your side i'm just saying to support that he didn't know he was echoing a question that had been asked me 20 years or 15 years earlier Mm -hmm. and that that was my Specifically, my wound is clergy mm-hmm. in my from my perspective, mm-hmm. uh, assuming that because I'm a comedian, mm-hmm. I'm lacking balance. Mm-hmm. And what is what is balance really code for? I'm lacking holiness. Yeah. I'm lacking some sort of connection. Mm-hmm. And really, the wounded child in me is I'm like, I'm at dinner with Richard Rohr. Yes, I think I'm doing it. That, do you think that's a clue? <laughs> yeah. I'm having dinner 
with Richard Rohr. That would have been so funny too. To oh, be like, that would have been the best answer. Well, you know, I just go to dinners with Richard Rohr, and <laughs> yeah, that really helps. That helps. But um, what I did say, and I, I, I can stand by this. I stand by it too, just so you know. Thank you. I, I, I actually put my hand on my chest because mm-hmm. it hurt, and I said. And and uh, my friend who was at dinner with us said that my other hand was clenched. Mm. Like, I would never hit somebody. But right. he said that my body went into, like, a fight or flight. Yeah. Um, and I... But then my other hand circumvented that and was comforting myself. Mm-hmm. And I said, pretty calmly, I said, I'm sorry, I just want you to know that that's a very triggering question for me. Mm-hmm. Um my you know my whole life i've had a lot of like christian people ask me how do you find balance what i'm really hearing is like when do you see your wife which is also what people ask you mm. when you're starting comedy it's sort of the secular version of that yeah. but when do you see your wife mm-hmm. yeah. and you want to say and this i said this i say and you sort of want to say when do you see your wife fuck you <laughs> And I said that, but I wasn't saying it to him, but I was saying, like, that's how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. It's how do you achieve balance? Fuck you. Like, yeah. why are we assuming that I lack balance? Yes, I, absolutely. And I could cry right now. It's yeah. just exactly, exact. And, and there, but to Richie's credit, which is really why he is, I call him Pops. He's like my, fa- he's my spiritual father. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel. Any shame mm. in front of him that I lost my temper. Mm. And uh, the guy, by the guy, way, the guy was a lovely man. And I think I was overreacting. Meaning, Eckhart Tolle says we're overreacting. We know we're in our pain body. I was in my pain body. Mm-hmm. This guy had stepped on a landmine. It was innocuous. I, I hold no grudge to this man. He was a lovely man. We had more conversations after this. Mm-hmm. But he had just triggered me. Mm-hmm. In a very sort of cosmically hilarious way. The first thing this guy says is yeah. my trigger. Yeah. And I didn't, afterwards, I didn't say Rich to Richard, like, oh, sorry, I lost my cool or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the guy did say one of my favorite teachings of Richard is, you know, and he pointed to him. And this isn't that cool, though. He goes, oh, uh, I'm just saying, I'm, I said to him, uh, you just, I'm sorry, you just offended me. Mm. He said, it's okay, I offend people all the time. And I was like, well, I don't like you. Yeah. That that may be true. And I'm getting a feeling as to why. Yes. And maybe that's not something to be proud of. Right. And then this guy throws Richard theology at me. I, I didn't tell you this I, part. Yeah. He goes, well, Richard says um, the sign of a, he might have said this, the sign of a converted person is they can't be offended. And I was like, and I wanted to lean in and say through my teeth, you think I don't know that? Oh my God. I'm at dinner with Richard Rohr, right? You're joining my dinner with Richard Rohr. Your week-long trip with Richard Rohr. Well, and that's one of the most beautiful things Richard says, Mm -hmm. is that when you're in your true self, when you're in your real identity as being itself... You know because nothing really offends you because you're sort of you can sort of be outside of the of the story. It's it's the difference between your life situation yeah. and life, and that's true. Sure. But what I would say, and I didn't say this, is yeah, I'm not fully cooked yet. Yeah, and I'm not pretending to be. You know, what? I still have areas that if you say your wife Valerie's a piece of shit, <laughs> I might get a little fucking offended. Yes, because yeah. I'm not. 
holy. Yeah. I'm not, I'm all, not all the time. I have moments of wholeness. Yeah. But like, don't, don't use Richard to tell me I shouldn't be offended. It was a doozy. It was a doozy of a meal. It was a doozy. I am, I'm blood boiling over here. You know what, you know what it is? is You look over, I'm on the treadmill listening to Rancid again. (laughs) You look over, I'm also on the treadmill. (laughs) Um, I, you know what it is, is it's, it's your other story that I love of you, of you getting angry appropriately, which is, I think what's missing is I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, what I would have wanted to say in that moment is this is how you react when you've hurt someone's feelings. That's right. You brush it off and minimize it as this, that I hurt people's feelings all the time. And then, and then you, uh, you what is the word? You weaponize uh, a spiritual teaching. Yes. In front of the person who said it, yeah. who of course everyone in that, at that table Wants to be close with Richard. By and, the way, yeah, Mama. Yeah. The, uh, so this was one of the weird, mild traumas. Mm. I'm using trauma generously. I know trauma is a big I word. I said this the other day. It was like I don't know if it's a trauma. It's traumish. <laughs> this is traumish. Yeah. It's it's erecting a barn. It's so traumish. <laughs> so I, with respect to real traumas, these are just the little humiliations that I pray for, and I got mine that day. Mm. The other one was, and did I tell you this? I don't know. I'm at lunch with Richard Rohr and Mirabai Star. And there are a couple other people there. Mirabai's husband is there, a beautiful man. And we're just having lunch in New Mexico. Mm. And I'm, let me know if it sounds familiar. I think yeah, the, the woman yes. came up. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the one of the only other meals. Like, what I'm saying is it's, it's almost too synchronistic or, or crazy. It's like orchestrated, like mm-hmm. such a short trip mm-hmm. to have these things thrown in my face. Mm-hmm. What happened was I'm flapping my gums, talking loud. I'm excited. I'm with people. I don't even remember what I was saying. I wasn't saying anything crazy. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think I was talking about religion. Mm. But I look over Richard's shoulder and there's, I remember noticing how skinny this guy's legs were. He had really skinny legs. Mm-hmm. And he was wearing like a, it almost looked like an insane clown posse jersey. <laughs> But it said now on it, now with the cross through the O. It's like this, like, it's almost like the Ed Hardy of Christianity. Uh It's like something you'd see on a dirt bike, like now, like badass Christianity. I don't know much about it other than it looks like it's trying to be badass. And the front of his shirt said like Matthew 11, 17 or something. And I'm so they, they were like, I'm sitting with my current Christianity mm. and over his shoulder is my past yeah. Christianity. Um, I never wore now stuff, but I wore like funny Christ is King CK, like Calvin Klein logo, but it mm. said Christ is King, Cute. like funny ones. Yeah. And they're just kind of like this version of it. And during the meal, I'm, I'm noticing that the woman with skinny legs is looking at me and I'm like, Oh, I, I think this woman's a comedy fan. Mm-hmm. And which is just the most delicious setup to the story. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow, somebody's going to recognize me while I'm with these really cool people. What fun. <laughs> and she comes over and she goes, could I just ask you, I was over, I was overhearing your conversation, mm. which is just like, you feel violated immediately. You're like, you okay? Yeah. I, I, could I just ask you a question? And I go, sure. And she goes, what? 
if you could change anything about the world, what would you change? Mm. And I'm like, this is not a comedy film. No. No. I'm putting the jersey together. Yeah. I'm putting her together. You're like, I've been in this world enough to know when I'm being like proselytized. I'm about to be witness to. Yeah. And I, thinking I'm being cute, I quote the Tao, the Tao Te Ching. I go, how would I improve the world? I don't think it can be done. Mm. That's what I said. Oh boy, I'm precious. (laughs) And she said, she's also not listening, which is my... Exactly. If you want to trigger me, really don't be there. Mm-hmm. Like, just be vacant. Mm-hmm. And that's what was happening. It didn't matter what I said. Right. She was reading from a script, and then my line was, they say something. Mm-hmm. And then she went, because for me, it would be more love. Mm-hmm. It would be more love. And then she, and then she, it, I sort of saw white, because it was so strange, but mm-hmm. she was like, said something about the resurrection of Jesus living in my heart, and that wasn't always true. And, and I'm like... Both of these situations, yeah. it actually goes back to our discussion of of a spirituality that includes suffering, mm. right? And includes pain. Because when I was growing up, I thought God was the insurance plan that would save you from pain. Clearly, that's not true. Mm-hmm. And then, here it is happening again. Both of these uh, unpleasantnesses, mm-hmm. and afterwards, Mirabai was like, are I you know. okay? It's my favorite part she, of the story. She could tell that I was sort of rocked by it. She checked in like three times, right? She was like, that was She asked me three times if I was okay, mm-hmm. and I was just standing there, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's intuition. Mm-hmm. That's a person who knows, hey, your past just interrupted a lunch with your present. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Like, because... When that is wired into you, mm-hmm. and now you're being witnessed to, which is being condescended to, by the way. Uh-huh. And in both of these stories, Mama, I wanted to say, and I didn't, of course, I'm at dinner with Richard Rohr. <laughs> yeah. But in that situation, don't you see that Richard is the stand-in for the divine presence? Yeah. You're going, I'm, I'm with God. Yeah. I'm with God. Yeah. Why is the suffering happening? I'm at dinner with God Uh, and something keeps showing up and is hurting me. uh, And you want to say, dad, Richard, father, God, stop it. And in both situations, not only I didn't really want him to, it would have been weird and inappropriate if Richard had been like, leave him alone. But it was this like manifestation, this materialization of what's going on. You can be at dinner with Living truth. I'm not saying Richard is... I'm not making Richard into a saint. He would hate that. I'm just saying, even if you're in your sweetest, safest, most ooey-gooey, converted, holy space, Mm. sometimes you'll get hurt at that space. While you're in that space, Mm. you go to Richard to feel that this this is your hookup to your connection to the divine. And in both of my hookup meals, something came in sideways and, and still managed to hurt me. I feel like there's a profound, beautiful lesson in that, which is spirituality is not avoiding this shit. This is the this is the ones and twos that spirituality is coded with. Yeah. The one is the pain and the zero is the pleasure. It's both. Well, it is a very symbolic and clear um, parallel to... Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree and Mara coming at 
him with all kinds of different challenges. Or Jesus in the desert. Or Jesus in the desert. Being tempted, yeah. Like, I mean, and the truth is... What's Mama, ha- you're, you're so brilliant. That's just so right. I just wanted yeah. to give that more enthusiasm. Thank you. There you are. It. That's it. Going for God. And, and You're going for God. <laughs> but also, also, there you are dwelling with God because you actually can't be separated from it. That's right. And And there are these, you know, tests coming that are making you doubt that you are one. With God, that you, it's it's sending lies of separation to you, and it's just making, throwing you off, and then you have to remember again. And the truth is, whether Richie was at that table or not, you are no more or less one with the divine. That's right. It has nothing to do with that. And I was no less with the divine when that woman witnessed to me and made me feel uh. sort of just like like a cold clammy lick mm. from my toes to my my head mm-hmm. just like a weird icky feeling mm-hmm. that's this going this person thinks i'm going to hell yeah because i was maybe she heard me say fuck we're literally in both of these cases you're a comedian you say fuck how can you be saved yeah. she was saying how could you be saved the priest was saying, how can you be saved, it, it, more or less? Yeah. Well, what it's they were the saying is... the same thing keeps coming back. And I have to answer. It's what Buddha says. Mm-hmm. They say... So th- what is the name of the testing? Mara. Mara says to Buddha, by whose authority mm-hmm. are you waking up? And Buddha touches the earth. Yeah. He, yep. And that's why in some of those pictures, he's touching the earth. Beautiful. And I have to go, by this... My authority. I don't want Richard to come in and save me. And I don't need anybody to come and save me. Because in these moments of seeking, the voices of doubt come and say, Who are you? You're filthy. You're ugly. You're petty. You swear. You're disgusting. And I have to find the part of me. And this is what Richard says is the whole point of clergy is to point people to the part of them, the divine indwelling that always chooses God, always is God, can't not choose God, can't not be with God. Yeah. That's it. Yes. And the rest is just window dressing. And, and that's why I really think that's why Richie can enjoy my comedy because he understands. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's the... By the way, when and because Tara, it's goddamn funny, <laughs> it's undeniable. <laughs> um, when Tara tells the story of of the Buddha touching the earth, I've heard her word it before, where it's like that's the final test. Is Mara says, "Who are you to become enlightened?" And he says, "She says um, the Buddha calls on Mother Earth to vouch for him." Mm. And it it that's the thing is you are. Sitting in this space, and what is always true is just feeling a little bit more true, which is you are here, this is it, this is your birthright, you cannot be separate from God, the thing looking out your eyes is God. The part of you that's recognizing God is the same part that's recognizing you, it's just, you're just as Richie yes. says, you're just closing the circuit. That's right. So you're, you are this oneness. And these Maras came in and and said, but you're separate. You're separate. You're not, because That's of right. this, you are not with God. It, the, and yes. you're like, I, you're, so your, your uh, 
anger and reaction of being like, I'm sitting next to Richard Rohr is really just a, a kind of a simplification of a deeper truth, which is I'm here. Right. It's touching the earth. It's going, yeah. I'm here. So I'm already perfect. I'm already one. I'm already accepted. I'm already hold. That's I'm right. already accepted. You're waiting for something to click and change me. And I, I won't be offended and yeah. I won't swear. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I hope that makes it relatable to everybody because it's just my fundamental wound which is at a certain age around my divorce, I decided I was not going to sugarcoat things and I wanted to be a person that could speak truthfully. Mm -hmm. If I'm angry, I want to be angry. If I'm whatever. Yeah. And then at the cost of that Mm -hmm. is a lot of people going, who are you to then say that you love God? Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Fuck you. I'm uh, in human, this human body, breathing oxygen. I'm here on this planet. I t- I, and you touch the earth. There's consciousness. That's it. That's, that's my right. birthright. And that's and that's why Richard has never, in all the time we've spent together and all the conversations we've had, he's never once, it, and Rob Bell is the same way. Neither of them has ever been like, but what you do, <laughs> I don't understand. Yes, yes. Because I feel like these people are witnesses. By witnessing your deepest, truest self, mm-hmm. you embody it more and more. Mm-hmm. They don't ask you to do it. They recognize it. Mm-hmm. And the part of them that recognizes it is that part in them. Right. And that's what closes the circuit between us. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly that's exactly it. We had so much time together and we could, Richie and I, and we could have been talking about theology and stuff, but like so much of it, we weren't. Well, that's the thing of like... Because you don't have to. Once I'm, you can rest in you in your real self and other people can do that, you can talk about anything. That's, that's it. And that's you can it. do anything consciously. We're back to what we said. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I said on the last episode or the one before that... I I had a meditation where I was so there that I was like, oh, when I'm talking about it, it's because I'm not there. Because when I am there, and really there is here, I can never be apart from it. And also when I'm tuned into that frequency, there is no need to do anything, especially try to talk about it. Because mm. that's just not going to be accurately representing it and Mm -hmm. then I'm going to get into the label of the tree and not actually see the tree Um, but I wanted to say something about um, Richie and oh just no what I wanted to say was this is such a good example of anger and like I'm so into transmuting the uncomfortable feelings and the, and what the other side of them looks like. And there is a loving side to anger. And the best example I can think of is like when I had my version of this, which I think I shared on the podcast, a very well-meaning friend of ours, um, like in a moment where Lila was, was being being like so difficult and I was so frazzled and she was like having tantrums and kept wanting to like 
do grab scissors and do things that she couldn't do. Um, and I think I said, you know, very calmly, like, Leela, you have to put that down or we have to go home. Uh, this well-meaning friend recommended nonviolent parenting to me, which is just like the name is so offensive. <laughs> because it <laughs> because implies that what you're doing is violent is violent parenting, yeah. which it is. It says when I, I've read the literature, it's like violence is punishment and reward and like all these different things. And I was like, do we have to use the word violence? Um, but so it was just the wrong time. And what I heard was, um, what you're doing is wrong and I'm witnessing you being a bad parent. And you were witness to. Yeah, I was witness to. If you could change one thing about your parenting style, what would it be? That's exactly it. Yeah. And the stakes couldn't be higher. I wish I had said, if you could change one thing about this world, what would it be? You would go sit back down. <laughs> I know. That would have been amazing. God, I love it. Uh, Sorry, I love the things that you that we think of in hindsight. Yeah. Um, so I just was irrationally upset about that. Um, not, And I'm not saying irrational to minimize it. I'm saying like it was no longer... I could no longer see what her intention was. I could only see like how it felt and, you know... And I felt really pissed off. And I texted my... I went home and, and you you know, you were so loving to me, but... And you were like... <laughs> but not, not enough. <laughs> no, you were so loving to me and you reminded me that she probably didn't mean it the way that I was receiving it. Right. And I texted my group of mom friends and all of them were like... Fuck that bitch. <laughs> well, that's that's why. Well, that's what you did for me too. As yeah. I'm like, I think he might have been saying, "How do you find balance as a surgeon?" Mm-hmm. But that's nobody a- thinks surgeons are pirates. Well, no, that's <laughs> what I did for you. But I hope that I did the first time you told me was angry. But actually, that's what made me think of it was when I said that on this podcast just now. I was like, that's not the way to go with this. Just this was upsetting to you. The way to love you is to also be angry about it. Mm. Like maybe not every time, but that's one of the ways that you can transmute anger into love is like it feels so good when you're upset about something to have somebody that you love be like, yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what fuck that. Beth is really, our, yeah, that's what my sister in law is fantastic about. Or your sister, well, it's our sister in law. Yeah, our, it's our sister in law. <laughs> yeah. We share a sister, yeah, in law, <laughs> and she's the best at that. She's the best, at and that, that is a real gift. And mm-hmm. I'll tell her problems I'm having because I know she'll just side with me blindly. Yeah, it's uh, what eights are really good at. Yeah, um, but that's and that was so that felt so loving to just have everybody. On my side. And then once I let like that fire of anger burn out and it felt supported and okay, then I was able to like see it more clearly. But um, yeah, so I, I guess that just made me think of like it's really beautiful to allow anger and it can there's a way that anger can lead to feeling loved. You well, know. that and that's why I mentioned the love in the story was that we didn't have to address it. Yeah. The love I had for Richard was not feeling like I had to address it. And the love he had for... It just happened. Yeah. Like a flapping of the duck wings. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just want you to know that's an offensive question. 
And I think I said condescending, like I just, mm. just to let you know how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And then we moved on. Yeah. And, and that took us into a, it's okay to flap your wings. Yeah. Instead of what I clearly we're still railing against the being polite, that mm-hmm. Christianity is just about being polite. It may, it also makes me think of, remember we had a friend who, uh, had a conflict with another friend that we have and she called us and, or she called me and I was like, yeah, fuck that shit. That's, that's so unfair. Like, you know, and just totally siding with her. And then then she told the other friend. Oh my God. And yeah. was like, can you, can you like tell him what you think about this? And which I understand she had her, she had very, oh, n- very under, like very understandable reasons for doing that. But I was like, well, no, I was talking shit. I was talking shit to be there for don't you. Don't you know how talking shit works? You don't tell the person that we're talking shit about what I said. Yeah. You <laughs> complain that your friend did this to you. I say, fuck that friend. That's <laughs> like a piece of shit goes up to a piece of vitamin. And don't tell him Pete said you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Next time you have a fight with this friend, that, be- that's because, not how this works. Because the person was receiving it very understandably as like, wow. Val and Pete really believe this. They think I'm right. And the truth is, is like, yeah, I can get in touch with a part of me that totally thinks you're right. There's then, also a hundred other parts of me. And like, and if you want me to talk to the your friend, mm-hmm. I could probably find a way to side with them. Yeah, I guess that's what I mean is, and maybe, and I could see. I'm not an exhibit in your case now. Yeah, I could see somebody really tearing this argument to shreds because I... I get so I'm open to this being so wrong, but to me, it's like a friend calls you and they're like, "I'm singing this song," and you're like, "All right, I'll sing this song too." And then they're holding you to like, so when you said I can't get no satisfaction, you you tell them about how you're not satisfied, and you're like, "You were just singing the song," so I started singing it too. The lyrics don't matter. I'm just trying to make it was just love, safe. Yeah, it was just support. Yeah. And then it's a betrayal of that support to go like, and then they said, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I didn't feel this upset. Is, and now when we talk to that friend, I go, this is off the record. Yeah. Do not hold us to this. It's like talking to a journalist. You can't go and tell the friend what that I said they're stupid. <laughs> because when I talk to them about you, you're stupid. So just, <laughs> just know that this is some bullshit to make you feel better. Because the ultimate truth is everybody's stupid. <laughs> That's my... I really think that... Human beings are inadequate libraries, mm-hmm. and we're all just going around being. And it's like me and Andrew Santino were joking that we don't know what the Suez Canal is. Mm. It's like we all of us have all these gaps, but all of us feel charged with acting like we don't have any gaps. Well, it's kind of the four agreements. Like it's like you're this. Everyone's the star of their own movie, and it's also um, what's the other one? That's like nothing is personal. Or maybe that's part of the same. The same that, that's one of the agreements. agreements. Yeah. It's like, like we're all just making a version of the story that put that is in our favor a hundred percent of the time. Well, and and that's why when I was explaining so boringly inputs and outputs, <laughs> I'm trying to put that book in your library, and you're just like. Uh, this book yeah. is like mostly like feminist literature. <laughs> we don't give a shit about this. That's I'm right. Sorry that I asked. And even as I'm explaining it, like the book is written in crayon and it says <laughs> by Pete. Like, 
how microphones and speakers work. And it's like one page and it just says inputs, outputs, question mark. But I'm handing it to you as if it's a real book. This is what most of men I know are doing. That's the mansplaining. And well, yeah, it's definitely what mansplaining is, but it's also just so fragile but like say it loudly that, and confidently. I, I think that's mansplaining. For I mean, sure. I guess I know it is. It's it's usually just like explaining something that you're assuming a woman doesn't know. So that's not what you did because I asked. But uh, right. But no. I do think it. I'm saying it, this is what's used when mansplaining happens. Yes, it's yeah. like just say it confidently and loud, and everybody will believe you. Boy, I really had several revelations during this chat, and the best one was from you, which was. I had a tightening breakfast with my loving family, whom I love. <laughs> that, that can, can be, be true. true. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt so tense that I exercised and I feel so much better and nothing was worked out rationally. Mm. That was such a gift for you to be like, and it can't be worked out rationally. Yeah. It can only be worked out in the in the wisdom of the body. Yeah. And Fuck, it's... that was good. And then and then the temptations in the desert. Yeah. That like while I'm thinking there is no inness. There there's never gonna be a place where you're completely cocooned. Mm-hmm. Even at dinner with a spiritual genius still. And I'm sure if I think about it, when I was with Ramdas, there would occasionally be somebody like poking because your, your guard's sort of down mm-hmm. you're sort of like i'm in the i'm in the holy of holies over here yeah. everything's gonna go great and someone's like mm, didn't you one time masturbate to the picture of yourself yeah. <laughs> yeah. i've never done that i'm just that's why i would do that that's kind of, well so i have my own like psychological version of that where a lot of times when i'm feeling really connected or just feeling how I kind of always want to feel like very safe and held and connected and joyful. I'll get a little voice in my head. That's like, remember pain, (laughs) remember depression, remember what that feels like. But really that is my brain going, don't let your guard down. Don't forget, Mm. like be on the lookout for this. And so, like, I think that that's something that we kind of all are doing, and that's what Mara and the Buddha story is about too. Is it's our own internal well, that's right conflicts happening, and that's why because sorry, I was just going to say that's why this too is such a powerful mantra. Is you are sitting in the groovy pool of oneness, and inevitably some voice, either externally or internally, comes in that's like. Uh, you kind of smell bad and nobody wants you at this table. That's right. And you're like, all right, that too. That can be in the cool pool this of too. oneness. This and that's, too. that's yes, thank you as well. Mm-hmm. That's because like if we've covered something without directly talking about it, it's that when that guy was saying that to me, mm-hmm. I'm only really going to hear what I'm preconditioned to hear. Yeah. So nobody's really hearing any... Like Mm-mm. a thousand people... 10,000, whatever, listen to the podcast, 10,000 different podcasts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's just how reality is working. Mm-hmm. So, by who, when someone says, if you could change something about the world, and I'm like, this person's witnessing to me, this is offensive, I, I'm scared, I, I, I'm triggered, all these different things. Who knows what was going on in her reality? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was beautiful and pure. I, who knows? Mm-hmm. But 
I was traumatizing myself and I can liberate myself. Yeah. And that's what mantras like, yes, thank you, or this too. It's trying to get in the habit of realizing that everything's happening inside of you. Mm-hmm. That every... I understand there's, there's an external reality that's not you, but it's processed so heavily by you mm. that by the time it comes off the conveyor belt, it might as well be you. Right. There is an objective reality, but what the fuck do you know about it? Mm-hmm. Everything you consume, mm. everything you see, touch, taste, everything you feel, it's going through this processing that turns it into you. Mm. So if you're having a hard time having your own divinity and and worthiness greenlit, the best thing you can do is work on your own processing plant. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're saying. That's what this too is. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing Richard said when they walked away, he went, were they super Christians? (laughs) That's what he said. Well, were they super Christians? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, that's so funny. That's so cute. (laughs) You called them super Christians. Yeah. Well, let's get the fuck. Get well, out of here. I want to say, before we close... Well, we don't have anywhere to go, even. Um, I So, our beautiful um, little, I guess, fan club, I would say, on Discord. The little group on Discord. Hmm. Um, I think we've, men- we've definitely mentioned it before. But they have a... They're starting a something called You Made It Book Club... Where oh. they're go- they're gonna like read books that we mention. So that's fun. The members are currently voting between um, "Be Here Now," "The Existential Kink," "The Universal Christ," or "Loving What Is," and then they'll like read it all together. Um, so Robert, remember Robert? Yeah, he text uh, messaged me just to. I said I would announce it just in case anybody. Well, the group to join. is called "You Made It Weirdos." Yeah, but this is so. Then I said yes. Can you tell me exactly how to tell people to find you? Because it is kind of hard to find. Um, So if you are interested in being a part of this group or the book club, um, just DM Robert on Twitter and he'll tell you how to do it. So his handle is at clan, C-L-A-N underscore Matheson, M-A-T-H-E-S-O-N. So at C L A N underscore M A T H E S O N. Um, he said his bio has weirdo in it, which is really Aww. cute. And they're the sweetest I know, they're people the sweetest. alive. So if you're like feeling lonely, if you're somewhere in the world where there's another full lockdown, um, if you like are the only one of your friends that talks about, I get so many messages of people who are like, how do I find friends that want to talk about this stuff? Mm. This is a great start. Like they've become really good close friends and they live all over and they the world. support each other's creative endeavors. Yeah, they have a creative there's all sorts of stuff. It's really beautiful. It's a really lovely group. So it's 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 a real it's like a I don't know. I don't want to get too religious. It's sort of like it feels very king to me to me. It's very yes, beautiful. Yes, it's a, lo- a lovely little community. So what's that? Is that a rat? Something. It's probably outside. Something outside. Um I wish I could find like a very because this was like I a wanted really... you to read that Mary Oliver poem that's about like that's weird. That is very weird. It's definitely outside. Yeah, it's outside. 
Welcome to our weird ending here. What's that Mary Oliver poem about family? Yeah. You know the one? The, the, uh, the Visitor, I think. Mary, okay, you look it up, I'll get the music. Um, I was thinking that exact poem, because I was like, I want to read something. This has been like a very masculine energy kind of episode, I think. And so I didn't want to just read something that's like, in the tulips in the field match my heart energy. I'm like, sometimes you want this. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking for the song, and I heard your tulips riff. I think it's helpful to know, because this is like about her father um and i all i know about her relationship with her father was i think he was abusive when she was young and she in a very kind of cool and badass move and i'm getting this from her um interview with krista tippett on being in from like 2015 she said something just kind of like um you know i like I didn't have a relationship with my father or I didn't allow a relationship with my father. I think it was even something cooler. It was like, he didn't get to be in my life as an adult, which was, so she like had a, like a pretty strong boundary. Um, so anyway, that's kind of helpful. I hope this is the one that you mean. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Also, I'm thinking about those books. I'm like, I feel like it's gotta be loving what is, isn't that one of them? Or be not be here now. Yeah, I, I feel like it's got to be either Universal Christ or Loving What Is. What's the other one? Existential Kink. That's good. All any of those are good. Be if here now. Is a, more... If you want to read a Ram Dass book, read Polishing the Mirror or um, Grist for the Mill. Yeah, Be Here Now is is more of like a something to kind of look through casually. Yeah, it's good if you already have his voice in your head. All right. They they might have already decided on that one. Well, if they're reading it, I mean, you you definitely have to read it at some point, so go for it. All right. Here we go. A Visitor by Mary Oliver. My father, for example, I love, I just, I'm going to do what you did to the Steve Martin. I love starting with, for example. Okay. My father, for example, who was young once and blue eyed returns on the darkest of nights to the porch and knocks wildly at the door. And if I answer, I must be prepared for his waxy face, for his lower lip swollen with bitterness. And so for a long time, I did not answer, but slept fitfully between his hours of rapping. But finally, there came the night when I rose out of my sheets and stumbled down the hall. The door fell open and I knew I was saved and I could bear him, pathetic and hollow, with even the least of his dreams frozen inside him and the meanness gone. And I greeted him and asked him into the house and lit the lamp and looked into his blank eyes in which at last I saw what a child must love I saw what love might have done had we loved in time. <sighs> oh, it's been a long time since I read that one. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Mama. Yeah. Hmm. Crispy. <laughs> 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 
Go to now Christian wear slash weird for 10% off. <laughs> Promo code weird. Yeah.